And we're live. I'm here with Sammy. Sammy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Caleb? I'm doing great. I got a new camera. I got lighting situated. I had to move my entire desk to make it fit. <laughs> it's uh, it's been. A, I got home. At, I got home and like okay, I got two hours to record. Let me just see if I can set this up. And it was like when the camera was up where was my desk normally is. You can see my entire room, the bed, the desk, all of it. And so I had to spend an hour just reorganizing it. And I was like, oh, I got I got a sour store. And it's like it's six thirty. <laughs> Then we had a lot of mic problems, so to see, we're supposed to start at seven, and it's seven thirty. So, you know, how it, goes. Yeah, it looks nice. You have the whole bookshelf background now. Yeah, it's pretty great. Thank you, thank you. I love it. Yeah. Before I only, if we get anybody in the stream, we we'll only get them for thirty minutes because Pete's going live at eight, and so he keeps sniping my streams. <laughs> it's not intended. I, I know it's not intended, but I swear to God, every time I want to go live, I like some cool guests I got. I'm like, I'll go live at seven thirty. He's like eight o'clock going live, and I'm like, <laughs> your ears opener, I guess. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, gonna be good. So you wrote an article called uh, "Multiculturalism Has a Contradiction in Terms." It's on the Hopian. The link is in the description. Uh, so, what made you decide to what do the live reading? What made you decide to write the article? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I'm trying to think what um made me think about it. I've just been like seeing all of the cultural issues going on in America today. How divided everything is. Like literally, every issue is. It's just like a binary switch of everyone hating each other. Um, I mean, I've been interested in like the topics of secession, uh, specifically of like, you know, like cultural groups. So and then I was just like thinking, I, I don't know why, um, almost with Juneteenth and all um, just the, the top concept of multiculturalism and just that the pushing it down of people's throats. It made me kind of think like, you know, like it's kind of like a contradiction like it doesn't it's just like is an oxymoron almost yeah now i gotta say it was interesting to use the term uh, multiculturalism because that's not really a term you hear much nowadays it was like an early 2000s late 90s kind of term i don't really hear multiculturalism much nowadays but um so is there any reason you still want the coach the term or like do you still, is it still like talked about in your circles a lot because i haven't heard the term uh, in, in quite a while yeah i think it's almost been dropped as a common term i mean i think it's kind of just like implicitly accepted as as the norm i mean mm. diversity is a big one um inclusion all of that i i know multiculturalism is a term that was brought up a lot yeah in the 90s and 2000s though yeah next question have you read um paul goffrey's multiculturalism i have not i read um maybe in the introduction when i was doing some research on this article mm. but i didn't i i put it on like a little bookmark of things to read but i did not read it I, I highly recommend it. It's uh, it's my second favorite Godfrey book, but actually no, technically it's it's the my favorite Godfrey book. It's the other Godfrey book I really like. He only wrote like the intro for and like the last chapter because it's a collection of essays. But um, mm -hmm. it's a uh, it's a really good book. And Godfrey is uh, the man, especially in the yeah. Paleo circles. He's like I'm in the Paleo circles. I assume you kind of you're a hobby, so you're kind of in the Paleo circles as well. Um, but it's just he's not brought up by mainstream by most libertarian people. Except for like Tom Woods when he has him on, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 like on that that intersection of of paleo lib paleo con, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, well let's do this. I'm gonna save the screen. Um, let me just get that up. Okay, can everybody see that? Wonderful. I can see it. So yeah, awesome. So how we're gonna do this is uh, you're just gonna read it, and you can stop when you want to comment. I'll stop when I want to comment, and we'll just go from there. 
Okay, sounds good. And I have it up on another screen, so you can like follow along, but don't feel like you have to, uh, you know. No problem. Um, okay. Culture is a beautiful product of human society that develops out of the natural order. Communities are naturally forming units that develop through shared experiences, beliefs, traditions, and values. The foundation of community is, of course, the family. And out of this structure, farther relationships are built that form the hierarchical web of society. Out of these naturally ordered structures, individuals take on a social identity, societies grow, and culture develops. Ludwig von Mises points to the division of labor as the function that separated man from animal and allowed society to develop. Due to the increased productivity from the division of labor, it is in man's best interest to cooperate with those around him. Mises viewed this as the cause of the formation of the family structure and of society as a whole. As he remarks, the division of labor turns the self-sufficient individual into the, into the dependent on his fellow man the social animal of which Aristotle spoke. So uh, one thing I guess is that I was trying to, because it's interesting, my, my main um, influences are like biblical and then also, you know, like Misesian um, and the Mises Hoppe um, development for society isn't exactly, um, you know, it, it's like agnostic or secular, but it's still mm -hmm. very interesting to me. And I think it's compatible of, um, kind of like combining society with like economic principles, which is yeah. something that I think is very true. And important. Yeah. I, yeah. There's something about, um, I put this, I, I really enjoy when I can get an economic breakdown of a historical event to see the economic factors that were leading into it. And so I think I really enjoy Hopper's book. Um, Oh, the part, uh, economy, society, and history, which we did a podcast on. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that book. Cause I kind of go into like the economic, um, <clears throat> causes of like societal growth but i think we did a great job covering that because uh, it was you and uh we paired with the sense we were able to add into like catholic and orthodox and other factors into the story which makes it a full fleshed out story a lot of people's account of culture and societal growth does not account for economics they kind of just go through some like weird wig of history sometimes where they kind of account for how things go and so i think economics is a good thing to in include in your breakdown and explanation of culture yeah it's it's interesting because economics um today is so separated from like the social sciences that mm -hmm. there really is no um compatibility but you know austrian economics and classical economics really did um was a social science so um, it adds to analysis uh that i think mainstream economists don't have today yeah absolutely okay i'll continue the division of labor is an innate feature of mankind that helps to reduce conflict in the world as man can reason that he benefits from peaceful exchange. It would be wrong, however, to jump from this to the conclusion that universalism or globalism are ideals that should be strived toward. First, man is not homo economicus. Although economic and material matters are certainly important, there are other things in life that matter that cannot be captured by mere economic efficiency. Second, trade and cooperation do not imply a lack of borders or cultural distinctions. Both free trade and the division of labor are fully compatible with segregation and closed communities. As Hoffa explains, uh, I'll, I'll go, we can talk and then go do the quote. Yeah, um, this whole point here about the, <clears throat> oh, where was it at? Um, both free trade and division of labor can fully, uh, are fully compatible between segregation and closed communities. Um, something so painfully obvious has that that countries can still trade and be distinct. Um, I hear a lot when I bring up succession between um, 
a success in any conversation. So it's like, well, what about trade? If we separate as a nation, how are we going to have trade? It's like, we trade with China. We trade, we trade with Russia. I don't like you. You, the people, the same people view those as the enemies, but we still trade with them. And they, they can't wrap their head around if America succeeds and different states go their own way, they can still be trade. They just see it as like an impossibility. And it's, I, I don't, it's just a, an obvious fact to people who know any economics, I feel like. And it just kind of speaks to people's not knowing any economics at all, that they don't see that as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I also think this point, and it's one that Hoppe makes, is kind of important because a lot of, I don't know, like bleeding heart libertarians will, you know, make the point for open borders largely based on an economic analysis. Uh, yeah. And I know I mean, that's like a big uh, point of just like discussion in the libertarian space of, and obviously Hoppe takes this, this position. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, who was it? There was that um, libertarian loser at the uh, Cato. I think it was Cato who was going to like debate Dave on open borders, but then yeah. backed out. I and he, he, I can't remember. His name. No one still remember his name because he's worthless. Um, but I think the reason he backed out is that uh, he was probably going to take a purely economic standpoint of why it's good. And if I guess Dave, when I put him talk about open border stuff, takes more of like a cultural viewpoint on like the importance of close uh, close borders effect on culture, which. When, you, when people hear those arguments, culture always outweighs economics. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, this is like a big pinpoint I have with a lot of libertarians. Like, economics doesn't convince anybody but autistic nerds like us. And so, while it's great for understanding things, your argument cannot rest on economics because then it just kind of like goes over the heads and is ignored by most people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, again, I think the important distinction, if you're going from a libertarian ethic perspective, is that free trade implies. Uh, consenting party on both sides because someone has to deliver the item and someone has to receive the item. But when mm. it's a person crossing a border rather than a good, that doesn't imply someone is receiving that person. So there's it, it doesn't guarantee um, like consent from both parties. And obviously it gets confusing with the, well, we have a state and we have borders, so what now? But yeah, it, it is it is uh just looking at the economic side of things is kind of um ignorant in my in my view i agree let's continue so i'll do the quote not even the most exclusive form of segregationism has anything to do with the rejection of free trade and the adoption of protectionism from the fact that one does not want to associate with or live in the neighborhood of blacks turks catholics or hindus does not follow that one does not want to trade with them from a distance. To the contrary, it is precisely the absolute voluntariness of human association and separation, the absence of any form of forced integration that makes peaceful relationships, free trade between culturally, racially, ethnically, or religiously distinct people possible. And yeah, I think that just nails the point home. Throughout time, cultures and societies have possessed a large degree of homogeneity. Not only was this a simple outcome of genetics, but it was also a conscious decision. Tribes and villages would form based on common ties such as lineage, faith, or covenants. In fact, the term culture implies homogeneity since it is defined as the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. If there is no homogeneity, there would be no group for a culture to develop from. 
Got nothing to add if you want to uh, continue. Okay. This brings us to the subject of multiculturalism, a major theme of 21st century America. This boils down to the idea that all cultures can and should be regarded as equal and that diversity should be instilled to promote open-mindedness. The concept of multiculturalism stems from both the philosophy of egalitarianism and moral relativism. Egalitarianism tells us that all people are equal and therefore the cultures and traditions of all groups should be treated with the same level of interest and respect. Moral relativism tells us that there's no true objective morality and that all judgments are based only relative to the situation one finds oneself in. With no gu guiding principles for good and bad, all cultures must be viewed indifferently. Yes. Now, I, <clears throat> I always, whenever we come to these discussions of morality in different cultures, I always, um, I rarely hear the term moral relativist. I always hear the term uh, cultural, um, culturally relativist or culturally mm -hmm. relative. Because it's like you only, I thought the ultimate performance with neoliberal friends of mine that um, you only think these kind of cultures are immoral because of the Western culture you were raised in. And there's no sense of, um, they, 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 how do I put this? I had a tweet about it recently where it was, um, the inner, they, people, do, people, people all age today view the inability to call out air of other cultures has a more, like, added a more superiority and why the, the fuck was that? My, I think it might have been a car accident outside my house. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, well, if we, hear, if we hear cops roll up, that's going to be annoying, but whatever. Um, I com That completely threw me off. I lost my complete train of thought from that. You, um, you were talking about your uh, the tweet you made. Yes. Um, there's nothing um, humble or morally superior about refusing to call out air or other cultures, especially when other cultures are immoral. It's not... Um, Bravery, it's cowardness. And they, they will they will hold a position that their refusal to make moral claims as if they are superior for you because they refuse to fall down to this lower level where they are like they a lot of people view a lot of people I feel like you view this cultural relativism or moral relativism as a they have transcended the binary of like good or bad for most people. Like it's mm -hmm. this weird, like there's this weird superiority about like, oh well, I you only see it because of this reason. I don't see that kind of it's, it's a very like they think they transcended morality by refusing to call out more ale. Yeah, I think there's those people, and then I think to some extent, some people just are so unsure of what to believe. They kind of take the easy route of just saying, "Well, it depends on your opinion, man." Like I don't know. Yeah, most of people are cowardly, <laughs> mm -hmm. in my view. But let's continue. Okay. Um, culture is a beautiful part of humanity, but is ignorant to act as though all cult cultures are equal. Some societies have achieved greater things than others. Some have upheld truth and goodness better than others, and some are more compatible with human flourishing. It would be foolish, for example, to pretend as though the great works of ancient Rome or the Republic of Florence were not superior to other cultures. This is exactly why these cultures are studied so extensively. Besides the enormous problems with egalitarianism and moral relativism, it is important to question if multiculturalism as a concept is even achievable. Since culture stems from a shared belief system or a set of traditions, multiculturalism is a contradiction in terms. Instead of upholding a variety of cultures, multiculturalism inevitably weakens and destroys culture in the name of diversity. This is not to say that there cannot be an overlap of cultural development, such as what has historically taken place in cities, but rather that an essential piece of culture is homogeneity, which multiculturalism is the antithesis of. Historically, even within cities, the most diverse areas of civilization, segregated 
gentrification was still the norm with various groups occupying distinct areas. People were safer and more comfortable living among their own groups, and this allowed customs and traditions to be upheld in a way that would not be possible. Even in America, which many consider to be a melting pot, different groups settled in separate locations, Puritans in New England, Quakers in Rhode Island, Catholics in Maryland, etc. Yeah, Catholics in Maryland. I've been I've been reading a book recently on um, the Catholics in uh, colonial America, mm-hmm. and it's uh it's interesting to kind of hear some stories about <clears throat> the uh, the laws pertaining to uh, Catholicism, <laughs> the Catholic in America. Uh huh. Like, I was just reading about yeah Catholics. I, I was reading a wiki article. Apparently, like they occupied Maryland and then Protestants like became a majority and then they banned Catholicism in Maryland or something. Yeah. There were laws against uh, for a while because a lot of Protestants didn't believe in celebrating Christmas because they believed it was a pagan holiday. There were actual like laws against celebrating Christmas where the government would confiscate presents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it yeah. is, it is it's insane. Like the, um, this really just points to the point to the this really just points to the view that um, America never really had the view of upholding religious liberties. They really only kind of accepted whole freedom of speech for freedom of religion because they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't decide which one to pick without this without without uh they obviously i knew something they wanted to pick but they couldn't make a decision without alienating a whole bunch of people and mm-hmm. so they kind of just had to go to like well we you can all practice your freedom of religion when it was that was like not the norm yeah yeah and i mean this is like good example like of <laughs> the catholics in maryland is like since things are gonna inevitably be political you should be around it's important to be physically around people that share your values because people inevitably are going to um you know use politics to force beliefs on your area so that's just and and, yeah this is actually i got a lot of heat from my uh from uh my friends, I, at this point, I've decided to just stop talking politics with people I know in real life because it's, it's just not worth it. Uh, and I said the goal of any political action should be to um, create a society once you live in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, like, no, but what if you're wrong on something? Like, well, then let me be, let me be wrong. Let, let me be, you go do your thing. Let me be wrong over here. And I can make fun of you. You can make fun of me. We have to talk to each other. That, that's fine. We, uh-huh. we don't have to talk to each other about these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, um, I'm sometimes, like, unsure. Like, I, I'm sometimes not 100% confident in my belief. So I'm like, well, at least if we have, like, separate governments, California can go, like, screw up over there. And it's kind of like a social experiment. And we can have like each different little state trying their own policies and see like what works out. Like that's a, that's like, you know, interesting yeah. to me when, it, where if we have like one world government, you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Let's continue. And as Hoppe observes, the settlement of the North American continent confirmed the elementary sociological insight that all human societies are the outgrowth of families and kinship systems and hence are characterized by a high degree of internal homogeneity that likes typically associate with likes and distance and separate themselves from unlikes. Without a common bond, there's no basis for social cohesion, which is a prerequisite for the development and sustainability of true culture and society. Both academic studies and mere observations support the fact that multiculturalism weakens the social trust and unity. Multiculturalism is not a position of equilibrium, and there are essentially no historical examples of multicultural societies that did not end in either secession or the stamping out of dissident cultures. The real culture in multiculturalism is the ideology of egalitarianism and moral relativism, and this must come at the expense of true cultures. 
cultures may be able to maintain their surface level traditions such as music or food, but any part of the culture that interferes with the multicultural agenda cannot be allowed to survive. Ironically, if multiculturalism results in the destruction of the very things it pretends to promote. Spot on. I mean, just spot on. It's, yeah, I, I, when I posted my web chat, I was just like, like I wanted to like screenshot and say it too. It was like the 100 uh, uh, emojis. It's just like, this is spot on right there. Like, that is a uh, good job on that one. Yeah. One thing that, like, when I was thinking about this, I was like, well, I mean, we do celebrate, like, you know, different holidays or different groups. And I mean, on the surface level, it is multicultural. But if you think about it, it's kind of like no real part of a culture is allowed to exist, like, or more, no more deeper part. Like, I don't know, like any traditional values that go against the multicultural agenda aren't allowed. Like if, if a culture is against, you know, like they're allowed to keep marriage the marriage or something. They're allowed yeah. to keep the aesthetics of a culture, but not the actual mm -hmm. things behind the culture. Yeah. And for some, for some cultures, that's even banned, like, like the yeah. Confederate flag or something, you know, yeah. like you, they, they really, uh, the cultures they like become tokenized and it becomes this example mm -hmm. for them to hold up as like, see, we have black people. And they like Nancy Pelosi walking out with that African um, job <laughs> saying, it's like they talk, they really they're tokenizing cultures because it makes them feel good. Because it, it's just, uh -huh. it, again, multiculturalism is kind of born out of the whole liberal need to be around people who aren't like them so they can feel better about other people who are surrounded with people they only agree with. Mm -hmm. like, and like, yeah, even <laughs> even the the true some true cultural parts of like the minority cultures aren't really accepted. Like I was, I haven't watched the Matt Walsh documentary, but I have. like it's... when he's interviewing like the African tribes and yeah. stuff, it's like that, you know, everywhere but the U.S., those are the normal values people hold, but it's not like the multiculturalists are trying to feel like, oh, we need to be accepting of those views. It's like, no, mm. it goes against the main agenda, then it's, it's yeah. cut out. Like I was in an Italian pizza shop uh, the other week. And there was um, an Asian dude, an Italian dude, a Jewish dude, and a black guy. I'll say a table like any pizza. And I was like, okay, neat. People can get along. My friend was just, um, like, he was just a little high. He was just looking at an amazement, like, whoa. I'm like, you really are like tokenizing their existence right now, dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are tokenizing these, these people for your own amusement. This is, you, you complain about this kind of shit in movies all the time, but here you are doing it. Mm hmm. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. I mean, obviously, people of different people can get along. We've Absolutely. seen that um, historically and just intuitively. And I think that's a good thing. But that doesn't imply that a society as a whole can function under one either rule of law or one set of beliefs without at least some social cohesion. And that's one of the weird things to me about today is that it's almost like is it purposely like self-sabotaging because there isn't even like an american like identity anymore if that makes sense like i don't know what what the idea is if it's like but it is interesting like oh let in as many immigrants as we need but also don't try to americanize them because that's like offensive or yeah. something i don't know how, how dare you ask a Walmart employee to speak English? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, I mean, I, w I was complaining about that a while ago, actually. I got people got mad at me for complaining about that. 
I was like, no, I'm in a Walmart. This is an American company. I don't want to have to have an employee go get me a different employee who speaks my language. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, 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 yeah. Let's continue. Where were we at? Uh, I think the alienation part. Uh, um, down a bit. Yeah. There, there it is. In Alien Nation, Peter Brimlow looks through the major examples of ethnically diverse countries throughout history and finds a consistent pattern of either successful breakaway movements or violent repression taking place in each case. Even supposedly successful examples of multicultural societies are far more homogenous than they seem. Switzerland, for example, is broken up into largely ethnically homogenous cantons. Most recently, the Canton of Jura was formed in 1979 as a separatist movement of French-speaking Catholics breaking off from the primarily German-speaking Protestant Canton of Bern. That was something um, uh, interesting to read up on. I've heard about it, but I didn't know the details. And it it is interesting how um, Switzerland operates. As many problems as I feel like they have, I do think they have some things um, much better together. Like yeah. the fact that they could like, it's weird. I, I feel like the U S is by far is the only place where um, like cultural groups are not respected to be like kept separate. It, it's weird. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. It's, it's, <clears throat> we've, it's, I'm trying to figure out how to say it, say it in a way we haven't already said it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, and I'm blanking on it. I'm completely blanking on it. It was um, yeah. Let's continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we take a complete, we take a complete like wall right there. But let's continue. If multiculturalists were serious about their alleged desires for promoting a diversity of culture, they would be the largest proponents of secessionist movements, especially when led by an ethnic or cultural minority. Papa explains. Secession increases ethnic, linguistic, religious, and cultural diversity, while centuries of centralization have stamped out hundreds of distinct cultures. Secession will end the forced integration brought about by centralization, and rather than stimulating social strife and cultural leveling, will promote the peaceful cooperative competition of different territorial separate cultures. I want to I want to point out on this point about, um, especially when led by an ethnic, um, what is it right here? Multicultural um, was serious about their alleged desire for pony diversity culture. They would be large opponents of success in this movement, especially when led by an ethnic or cultural minority. Um, this made me think of uh, the difference between Malcolm X and Martin Luther. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, I've been reading up on Malcolm X, and I, I love the guy. He sounds amazing. I don't always agree with him, but I'm, I'm in, I enjoyed listening to him speak. And then Martin Luther, after um, hearing something about him from Sadius Russell, really did seem like he hated black culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's um anybody who doesn't know the story in the uh because some of them forget I have an audience listen to this and sort of like say something like someone would nod like oh yeah he knows what I'm talking about and then move past it and I'll get texts like what are we talking about in the podcast because like you just you didn't elaborate I'm like oh yeah I have to elaborate so anybody who doesn't know uh lots of tech that's like but I've been doing a while. But I mean, just, we can't, we can't as I can. Martin Luther really did not like black culture and uh, told a lot of his like followers, like constituent type people, to um, dress dress like the white man, to soap to walk on time, to stop listening to certain kinds of music, and basically he viewed the best way for black people to gain equality would be to emulate the white man and become like them, just trying to get rid of and he really puts against black black culture. Why Malcolm X seemed much more in favor and supporting of the black identity and the black culture and then tried to mold them into a lesser version of the, of the white man or something. Mm-hmm. I, always, I always feel weird saying the white man. <laughs> but I can't, I can't think of a better way to like phrase it, you know? Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it it is it is interesting, and I think it kind of boils down to an unrealistic view of the world by well-intentioned leftists, like the whole "oh, let's all just get along." Like, realistically, people like I don't know if it's like the the unconstrained vision, like the Thomas Sowell. But the idea that all of these different groups can somehow live together peacefully under one rule of law without any issues. like, it, And I think that boils down to undermining any real differences between groups because yeah. they would say that all differences come from like cultural like or like your upbringing, but it's not actually important in the scheme of things. Uh, whereas someone who respect um, respects different groups, but still is realistic about differences, would be someone promoting, um, yeah, like we understand you're different and you're being oppressed under the current system. Like, why don't you just break off and go go do your own thing? Which I think in a lot of cases is the more realistic option for. I mean, for everyone, it's not like uh, one side uh, yeah. winning. It's just peaceful separation. Absolutely. And I think that um, ties into the next part. So this is why Mises stressed secession is the ultimate means of achieving self-determination for ethnic and cultural groups. Although he did not believe this form of self-determination could be realistically carried out to the level of the individual, he stressed the importance for each group to be able to separate themselves and live according to their own traditions and laws. It is unrealistic to believe that many separate groups can live together in complete harmony while maintaining the homogeneity and social cohesion required for both cultural flourishing and an ordered society. Laws and societal etiquette cannot please everyone simultaneously, and the best way to show reverence for unique cultures is to allow them to exist unhindered. I got, I got up and ask, you want to continue? Sure. This article does not <laughs> seek to address the malicious ends certain groups may be attempting, certain groups may be attempting to achieve under the guise of multiculturalism, which is a separate issue. Instead, this is an attempt to argue against forced integration and multiculturalism using the very goal multiculturalists act as though they were trying to achieve, respecting a variety of diverse cultures. Separatism does not imply hatred. On the contrary, it allows different groups to resolve jurisdictional disputes without the need for violence. Yeah, that was a, another thing because I've, I've been kind of thinking, I think there's, I guess, two groups. There's the people that genuinely are just like, I guess you could say well-intentioned leftists um, that actually, you know, think what the programs are doing are good for everyone. And then I think there are people with, you know, um, malicious agenda in changing, uh, weakening uh, societal bonds um, because obviously that makes it a lot easier for to accomplish yeah. a lot of different things. Absolutely. This is um. The, the deliberate weakening society of bonds is something I'm covering in the book I'm writing I'm working on, um, and it, it's I'm, I'm reading a lot of Thomas So because he's been he's been great on writing about um, specifically like welfare and the welfare effect on the family or the mm -hmm. uh, people walking up to uh, people's houses and saying, hey you know if you're a single mom you can't have more money from the government yeah <laughs> like that whole just yeah just the fact that that kind of thing happened and it's not brought up every single day as an indictment against the government is is ridiculous to me that is like in, like they deliberately incentivized people to break up family structures. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just <laughs> Yeah, it is pretty crazy to think about those um 
terrible, like the cyclical cycles of, of urban areas specifically in this country, but I'm sure a lot of other areas where basically the policies are such that it's hurting the people enough, just enough so that they vote for you to fix the problem that you're in yeah. the end causing. And I don't know what the, the end game is because I think a lot of the urban areas are collapsing uh yeah. obviously yeah my my take on on it they had an end game but they didn't anticipate their plan working so well and accelerating <laughs> so quickly that now they're like well we, we plan to have 20 more years of this before we unlive the next step and now we're not waiting for that next step and with the political capital being expended on covid lockdowns and vaccine mandates and all other kind of stuff they really don't have the political capital to push a new fix or solution mm -hmm. it is so, interesting to think about the, what what uh like how uh well planned like how well planned are the rulers versus yeah. like just like stumbling along because in some ways you want to think it's like some secret mastermind but at the same time there is a lot of impotence you see and you know just the like faults yeah. of central planning yeah there's a lot of like my, my view on it is there are a lot of elites who understand how to understand the the main ideology most of the manager, managing class has, the, the HR people, the managing class, a lot of these kind of uh, the managerial class, you could say, um, the essential ideology a lot, of, a lot of them possess, and it's good at like using that to their own ends, um, and they, just, they didn't anticipate on several things happening so quickly. Mm -hmm. it, it is interesting. There's like the the concept of basically like a leech needs to keep their um, host like well enough uh, to be alive like so it's like managing yeah um but at the same time i think there is a large uh incentive for uh elites and government actors to weaken society um to become reliant and without culture without um strong family or religious bonds you're going to turn to the government and welfare uh as the first um at, at the first sign of, of trouble Absolutely. And this whole culture of like people have to be like, who was it? Was it Jesse Kelly who recently said he kicked, he's kicking his kids out of his house at 18 years old? There are a lot of people I know who have that mentality towards their kids. At the moment they turn 18, they want to kick them out. And people who are eight who are over 18 still living at home that I know are like depressed as shit because they, they feel like they failed to get out of parents' house at the right time. No matter, they're complaining, like, man, how is it so expensive? I can't afford anything. They accept that fact, but then they still. Reverted and blaming themselves for not having a good enough job. I'm like, dude, you're eight, you're 19 years old. You have no experience. You never, it was no way this was going to succeed for you. Like, it was, it's just very unlikely that you were going to have a successful. And they, the one of the economic collapses that led people to stay at homes, which I think is actually good. People should stay at homes longer. People should rely on family. For, for family bonds should be strong and should be staying at home for good reasons. But no one stays at home for good reasons nowadays. People who stay at home are staying at home because they can't afford to leave. And that just causes way more strife and depression than it, needs to, than it, than it should. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously, like you were saying with the welfare, the existence of welfare disincentivizes, you know, I mean, both cooperating and building um like friendships but also like co cooperating with your own family like divorce rates the reason mm. divorce rates spike are because realistically there is a selfish reason for staying married which is to for survival but if you can just jump out of that and get your money from elsewhere then 
the incentives yeah. are all screwed up. And also, I think um, in a less uh, a society with less social cohesion, there's a lot less accountability um, when it comes to acting politically. Like you don't feel bad kind of taking money from welfare when you don't really know the people that are being taxed directly to pay for that. So it's just a very inhumane system um, that is kind of like lost a lot of its um, meaning, like deeper, like human meaning, like human relationship. Absolutely. Let's, con let's continue. Where are we at? We are in the, uh, the United States. The last paragraph, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. The United States today can hardly be considered a unified country, and the current form of globalist multiculturalism may be the final nail in the coffin for any form of national unity. In the past, there was at least an emphasis on the Americanization of immigrants, which helped to create at least some level of social cohesion between various groups. Due to multicultural and egalitarian movements, this practice has largely come to an end. As of Expectations for integrations have ended, solidarity between groups have fallen, and social disintegration has accelerated. Jura's secession from the canton of Bern is a recent case of how two areas were able to peacefully separate in order to maintain distinct cultures. And this is an example the United States would be the wise to learn from. Wonderful article. Really enjoyed it, Sammy. It was a good, was a good one. Um, I, mean, I want to ask you what your take. Did you, did you see uh, Zoss Denny's uh, tweet? about uh i did <laughs> was that the one mac responded to yep let me say yeah I, I was like checking it every few hours to see like because they were like neck and neck for which one had more likes and i was like okay is he gonna <laughs> ratio him or <laughs> yeah it was a it was a big i and i enjoyed reading the interaction though i i would say i think mac was uh spot on with everything he said mm -hmm. yeah um, i do think it is a bit of the lulbert uh like we're all in this together i don't know i need i need to go Pull it up real fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, oh apparently he's uh, Owen McIntyre responded as well. Nice. Uh, aren't they doing? Oh, if I remember correctly, they're doing a show together soon. Actually, to discuss this. Oh. Let me just uh, check his YouTube real quick. Um, oh, how do you spell his name? He has a he has a name I can just never spell. Owen McIntyre. I just I wanted to copy it from YouTube from Twitter. It's gonna do that. Everybody who's listening to this as we kind of just try to fill time for 30 minutes with uh, YouTube searches. <laughs> Here he is. Can we can we escape uh, identity politics with Joss Denny? Uh, oh, he's yeah. doing the whole show. I see the tweet. The only way to save America is to eliminate all identitarianism in our cultural systems and pave the way for one based on individualism and patriotism. And that that's yeah, I don't I don't know individualism and patriotism. I don't know how how um those are the same, but yeah. whatever. I guess. I'm 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 currently working on an article on patriotism from a libertarian perspective. Um mm -hmm. there was that whole shit show on Twitter a few weeks ago now about everyone arguing about how patriotism is bad because it's, it's patriotism is bad because it led to like nine eleven policies. And not and never nothing ever the positive sides of patriotism that led to, you know, like um, people actually coming to, uh, people who agree on a code to coming together. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm currently working on the last details of the article, but it probably won't, I don't know what my post it probably osteotomism. Mm -hmm. uh, but I I would say I think there's a I I maybe I think it's, it's I think I like the, I like the sentiment of what he's saying, 
but that's probably just because I'm still stuck in like a liberal frame, like Ben talked about. Um, that when I, when I, I, I read them, I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. Then I actually think about it, I'm like, that doesn't sound possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds nice. Uh, I don't think an identity implies um, conflict, I guess. Mm-hmm. That, that's, and, and the other thing is, how weak would a truly individualistic society be? I think it's only, again, like we were talking about earlier, it's only looking at the economics um, or materialistic and there's more to society than just that. And I think that's like, you know, just like an atheistic um, way of viewing the world, which, I mean, it's easy to fall into, but I think even Mises and Rothbard, didn't actually believe that. So it's interesting yeah. that a lot of people pretend like that's what they believed. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's always, now I, I've kind of like, I've dropped libertarian, the, the label, and it's really like today I dropped it and I started looking at all the libertarians, not his like people in my movement, but like people outside of my ideology. I get, I could see a lot more uh, quints. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot. There's still a lot of great people. There's still a lot of great libertarians I love. I would never doubt. I'm never going to like dog on Ross Bard because he's just great. Um, but there was a lot of people I feel like who are the not just the individual, not just the individual individualistic libertarian type, but the um, the atoms atomization of individual libertarian type who believed like this whole who reject the idea of like family structure. Like, I don't know if you saw, but there was a, tr- a Twitter thread from uh, some guy called Colt on Twitter who argued that. Um, there's a story about this little sister not wanting to watch her older sister's daughter for like five minutes. He's gonna take a shower. Oh, I saw that. It was on, was that. It on Reddit or something. I, or no, was it? he it was, it was a Reddit post, but he posted it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, mm-hmm. Jay, Jay, and uh, Grant argued with them, and mm-hmm. Nick because Nick's great. And that whole spread, this weird now, like this is an example of like the like how to put this. They're, okay, economics is like I said, economics is good. But a lot of people, I feel like, turn economics into a entire like worldview, mm-hmm. and there are certain things like, like the economic view of the individual is like, the individual acts is great for economics. But viewing all of society, it's only as individuals acting, and never has family structures or kind of it's like struggling up always uh, responsibilities. Is like this weird connection. Uh, a lot of the economic based libertarians that don't have anything any religion or philosophy outside of their political ideology, mm-hmm. they kind of speak these really weird incorrect views that just kind of accelerate from that one base like economic also economics cannot be your overall worldview philosophy and it can't be your religion yeah i mean i think a bit more accurate than even economics now that i think about it is more like the legal framework like Mm. the nap like there's like the joke (laughs) is that the nap isn't the end-all be-all of being a moral person and i mean i think any good libertarian would not well um, I think any libertarian I like would, would acknowledge that, but mm-hmm. a lot of time you need some basis for your morality outside the non-aggression I principle. Absolutely. I like, I mean, Rothbard was a bit of a lullbert in the sixties and seventies. And I think he came out of that later in his life, but I mean, he still would set, emphasize in all of his legal writing that this does not imply that someone doing this is a good person um and it's just a le- it's just a legal code for how to have society function um but yeah it, like basically like oh i don't i don't have any obligations to anyone else <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's uh, it's a lot of libertarians. Nap- no, sorry, I want to clarify napotarians because they're all good libertarians. There are zero good napotarians, mm-hmm. and a lot of the napotarians will go by libertarian. So you got to be in the watch out for those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. It, it just kind of shows that um, the nap or le- your legal system is just a very rough um, framework for the legal system of society but there's so much more inside of that there's more to life than that it's great for figuring out how to solve conflict it is not great for determining the morality of said conflict or really like it's great to tell my dad it's great for solving it it's not great for determining blame or or right or wrong in those scenarios i feel like Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that's the thing if you're on libertarian twitter the only thing you share in common is the legal system there could be such a wide range of actual like the moral um beliefs which a lot of times are more important to people at least in like in the real world and that that's why you know i like my home feels to be like the libertarian like legal framework but definitely the more right-wing conservative or i hate the word conservative uh traditional traditional you know moral values there needs there needs to be a better term for like uh right-wing traditional values besides this conservative Mm -hmm. Uh, i i mean I hate that term so much, dude. It's just it. It's this one. It's a bad term. It's associated with all these terrible sayings. And even Ross Bar, what about in a strategy for the right? How is this a bad term? What's mm-hmm. I need? I need to have uh, Wapiro back on to finish that live reading. It's been like two weeks since the last one. Mm-hmm. Get him back yeah, off of that. I mean, right wing is all I really feel like I have. I mean, there's a lot of terminology, but that stuff is weird. Yep, absolutely. This is why this is why I decided to go non non ideological. I'm just right wing and I pull what I like, which mm-hmm. is like 80% libertarianism. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it is interesting because I think a lot of um, people, I mean, I think a lot of libertarians are like perfectionists that want to have a perfect legal framework in their head. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's where the whole like living in, in Kapistan. Um, yeah. It, it does it matter right now? Not, not all the time. So exactly. Well, we finished the article. We've gone for 48 minutes. That's a respectable, respectable episode. Uh, Sammy, give your plugs. What can people find you at? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Hagfish. Um, I just wrote this article for the Hoppians, so definitely check them out. Um, hopefully, I'll write for them again. They're they're great, obviously. Oh, they're great. Um, they're, you get the libertarian stuff without uh, the cringe, so... Yes, that is, that is the best way to describe the Hoppian people. I mean, Jared, Mac, um, oh, what's the god? Taylor. What's his name? Taylor. He's good. He's been on my show once, and we've set up like multiple times for him to come back on and keep falling through. I need to have him on eventually because he was he's only on for my uh, Lou Rockwell respect stream. Yeah, I remember he, that. I think he was supposed guy. to be on the first podcast I did with you. That's that, why he's supposed uh, to be on for uh, Economy, Society, and History. Yeah, would, yeah, would have been great to have him on for that. That would have been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I got a text with so you can figure something out. But anyway, well, guys, this is another episode of uh, Face Liberty and Praxis, uh, season two, episode uh, eleven. Like, comment, share, subscribe. You you know what to do. It's YouTube. Okay, I'm not gonna tell you every time. Um, a lot of great stuff coming out. I'm interviewing. Um, I can't pronounce his name. I want to say Burger from the uh, Hopper Hours. Uh, Bungo. I don't know how his name is, but the Hopper Hours guy. He's going out tomorrow night. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, uh, have a good night. Mm-hmm.